And this wonderful topic, I have to say that my train of thought left because my stomach growled. Oh, that was annoying. Sorry. (laughs) Hey guys, here's what's coming up. Next week, on January 25th, we will be discussing one of Mo's top 10 favorite books, Cast in Shadow by Michelle Sagara. Then, on February 1st, we'll be having a book review of Where'd You Go, Bernadette by Maria Semple. And boy, do we have thoughts on this one. Now, on with the show. Welcome back to the Book Life Podcast with your host, myself, Mo, and my best friend, Abby. Tonight, we are going to examine all of the things, not really all the things, but we are going to talk about a book that I bought for Abby for her birthday, and of course, I bought myself a copy, both of which came signed, and we also got to do a Zoom meet and greet with the author. So what book am I talking about? Well, this one is called The Left-Handed Booksellers of London by Garth Nix. Brand new, came out September 2020. I love the cover of the book. Very awesomely designed cover fun concept i mean come on a book about books definitely is like some of my favorite kind of things oh yeah i totally agree books about books are the best yes i would say abby have you read a garth nix book before reading this one the only three books of his that i have read i read because you suggested i read them (laughs) of course and it's sabriel lyriel and a portion from the old kingdom series and there's three more out well almost three more out there's that two I have out not read. one coming yep yeah so there's two others that i haven't read and a third one that's coming out well i got some fun facts about mr nix would you like to hear some interesting things about this author i always love hearing interesting things about the authors so i don't know about you but on a zoom call i was surprised to hear his australian accent because i forgot that he was not I always associate him as a UK author because a lot of his books are set in the United Kingdom, like the Old Kingdom series starts in the UK, and obviously this new book was set in the United Kingdom. I'm so glad that wasn't just me. I thought for sure he was British until I heard his accent. Right? Surprise! (laughs) Not the case. I was like, whoops, guess you're from a different part of the world. Never mind. (laughs) I mean... Similar, but not the same. Yes. His favorite book growing up really is no surprise. It was Lord of the Rings, but mostly because his mom read it to him as a young boy, and that was like their bedtime story together, which I thought was precious. That is so sweet, but dang, that woman had fortitude. Yeah, she did. Ooh, to read Lord of the Rings to a little boy. <laughs> Apparently he liked it enough to become an author. I mean, good for her. His favorite food, which I, I found some really random things. His favorite food is sausages and mashed potatoes, which sounds really good. Like must That sounds so British. I know. <laughs> His favorite TV show is Doctor Who. British! Right. This one maybe is more Australian. He has a weird tradition with his siblings when they answer each other's phone calls that they all answer with a cockatoo shriek. <laughs> uh, and he's gotten some weird looks in public and... People are like, what the crap is up with these people? 
Oh my gosh, that's such a sibling thing. <laughs> He's also an author of many, many books. So you mentioned the Old Kingdom series, which I've read Sabriel, Lyriel, and Ephorson. I have not read Clerial or Golden Hand, which are the two newest. Plus, you said there's a third one coming out, which is pretty cool. So those might be on my 2020 book list. I don't know. My book list is getting kind of crazy. Or my 2021, whatever year we're going into. I don't know. Okay, I don't know. Whatever year this is. Yep. The Keeks to the Kingdom series. So this is like the first one's Mr. Monday, which I think I have stashed downstairs. Not read them. They are a young adult series. Shades Children is a young adult science fiction. A Confusion of Princes, which is about immortal princes that are set in a futuristic world. Shades Children is a dystopian novel, if anyone likes stuff like that. The Seventh Tower series, which I own the first three, and I probably should read it eventually, because it's magic and fun. The, the Seventh Tower series would be a reader level like Artemis Fowl, versus to me the Old Kingdom reader level is more high school. Yeah, for sure. But those are my fun facts for you today. Those are some very fun facts. Thank you, I'm hungry now. <laughs> well... Shall we talk about the left-handed booksellers of London? I believe we shall. Can you give me a good summary? I can try. Susan doesn't know who her father is, and the only clues she has managed to gather from her scatterbrained mother are strange. Armed with nothing but the sparse clues and determination, Susan heads to London to try and track down her father. Unfortunately, her first stop ends up being far more dangerous than she realized and she finds herself mixed up with a young person by the name of Merlin, who calls himself a bookseller with a capital B. Suddenly, Susan has a lot more problems on her plate than an absentee father. So, when you read this summary, what were your initial thoughts? Or, or what were your initial thoughts of the books, rather? Before I read it? Yes. I was intrigued by the concept. I really liked the idea. I really liked how he said he came up with the idea for it. Mm-hmm. Which was, he? I think he was doing, what, a meet and greet? And there was some group that had come, and they called themselves the left-handed booksellers because they were all left-handed. <laughs> and he said something about, that sounds like a book title, and that's where the whole idea for this story came from. Which I thought was really cute. That tickles my soul, you know? Mm-hmm. But, I mean... I thought it, was, it would be an interesting concept. I was really intrigued. I wanted to know more about it. Because I hadn't heard anything until you were like, oh, by the way, I got your birthday present. <laughs> and it's a book. Of course it's a book. I mean, I don't always buy you books. Okay, well, I did get you. Well, I, I got you book things for your birthday. Or, um, what's the holiday coming up? Christmas. Sorry. Books and book-related things. Always. As always. Shall we discuss characters? We should. So, the main character of the book that we follow is Susan Arkshaw. She's a brave, adventure-seeking young adult, seeking an estranged father who takes a deep dive into a dangerous underworld of London that contains mythical monsters and police by a secret organization. I like this because she's about 18, right before going to college, and she's a very interesting character. She's like, oh, I have the summer off before I'm going to school and I want to find my dad. And I was like, all right, I can, I can get behind that. I did find her description very interesting. Like, she has really short-shaved hair that's dyed blonde. 
I just thought that was a really unique feature for a main character to have because so often when you have a female main character, she's got like long flowing hair or like cute pixie cut or something. You never see main female characters that have like short buzzed hair, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very interesting character design. And she was likable as well. There's Merlin St. Jax, who's an eccentric left-handed bookseller who dresses as he pleases and is a twin to Vivian. He is also very good with weapons like swords and guns. He's definitely the person you want on your side if you're going to go storm the castle. Yes. His twin is Vivian. She is a a level-headed, right-handed bookseller who can kick some serious butt with her magic. Highly enjoyed her as in. But she also, you know what? She had long blonde hair, didn't she? I honestly don't remember what her description was. She looks like Merlin, but just a girl. Yeah. And who are the other three characters that were featured in this book? So first off, we have Maryhew. She is great aunt of the St. Jake's clan and the leader of the left-handed booksellers. Then we have Thurston, who is great uncle in the St. Jake's clan. He is the leader of the right-handed booksellers. And we must mention Una who is basically a bad biker chick. (laughs) She is in charge of the left-handers who are sent to deal with things outside of their bookshops. Kind of like a tactical team. She's the head of that. Kind of scary. Kind of cool. Yeah. So that's kind of the main cast that we meet throughout the story. There's a lot of extra... Smaller characters, I would say, that are important to the plot, but not important enough to mention right now. I have to say, when I read this book, it I breezed through the first three-fourths. And if I had pushed harder, I probably could have finished this book within two days tops. The last fourth kind of lost my interest. But it's definitely a very easy read. I would rate it for 16 plus, you know, with for content. Or, you know, for, like, age level, reading level. It's a very fast read. Yeah, I had trouble in, like, really getting into the book at first. So, like, the first quarter of it or so was kind of a struggle for me. The next, like, half of the book, really good. And, like, the last quarter just, it kind of dropped off for me again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would definitely say I highly enjoyed the middle of the book a lot. And it was very exciting. And I, it was, Garth Nix is a fantastic world builder, and he's really good at action. Yes. All the action stuff was awesome. Yes. All right. Well, as always, as we move out of this part of the book, or the book, wow, out of this part of the podcast, we're going to take a short break and we come back. We're going to deep dive into the book and spoil it. We'll talk to you in a minute, guys. These days, more authors are including mental health content in their books. But do you ever wonder how accurate some of this stuff is? Or do you ever read something where you know the author just gets it? I'm Elise. And I'm Priscilla. And we are Novel Feelings, a podcast where we discuss mental health issues in fiction novels. We are psychologists and book lovers, and we have a lot of opinions. So look for Novel Feelings wherever you get your podcasts. Now, back to your show. Welcome back, guys, and remember, this half is spoilers, so if you don't want this book spoiled, pause right now, go read it, and then come back and talk to us. 
All right, we will start with favorite scenes this time. Mo, tell me about your favorite scenes. So one thing mentioned, I love Guard Nick's world. I love everything he does with his world building. He makes such rich like characters, organizations, and creatures, and he just has all these great, brilliant ideas. And one of my favorite scenes in this was where Vivian and Merlin and Susan had just left the great aunt and great uncle, Marithru and Thurston. I'm really bad at names. Somebody I'll get better, I hope. And they were at the top of this basically TARDIS of a building where it was, you know, bigger on the inside than it was on the outside. From the top tower, they climbed all the way down into the basement. And in the basement, they got to meet essentially Vivian and Merlin's ancestor, the grandmother. And the grandmother can take on pretty much any version, like, not version, any past self. So, like, it could be the most recent. You never know which grandmother you're going to get either. So, it could be the most recent. It could be the most ancient. And they ended up meeting one of the most ancient, like, I think the first grandmother who had an Irish wolfhound. Like, and they always have a dog, which I really like, too. Like, it just kind of, you would think they're booksellers, they have cats, but they have dogs, and that's awesome. And I just love like that whole, you know, he's how much he thought this all out. And I'm not sure if there's imagery that went with it, that the leadership set at the top and they put their ancestors at the bottom. And maybe that's a symbolism of you shouldn't put your past, you know, so far away in the basement from your leadership kind of a thing. You know, like the leaders were so far away. How often did they go see the grandmothers or grandmother? We don't know, you know. Huh. I thought a lot about it, okay? I I can tell you thought a lot about it, but I believe in the book, it's either Marahue or Thurston mentions that they haven't seen, gone to see the grandmothers in a couple years, but they also talk about how they don't want to disturb them. It's like, they're not always benevolent when you go to see them kind of thing. Yeah, it can be real hit or miss. Right, so I don't know that I would go to visit them very much either if that was the case. Yeah, I know they're a little uh, questionable, but they they sound cool. Yes, they did. I loved that scene. It was very well done. I also enjoyed, there was a scene where they're trying to find clues and they end up, were they at the new bookstore when they met the even-handed booksellers? I don't remember which one they were at. Yeah, so basically the the bookseller organization have two bookstores, the new bookstore and the old bookstore, but they're opposite. So the old bookstore is actually their newer bookstore. It's like their new bookstore and they like where they keep more modern um, like books coming in and the more like up to date kind of things. But it's in the old building. Now, the new bookstore is in the new building, but that's where they keep all the old stuff. It was like twisty, turny details. And I could be wrong, but that's fine. But no, that sounds right. <laughs> but we got to meet the even-handed booksellers, which they, instead of having just one hand dipped in gold, oh, by the way, the booksellers have a right or left hand dipped in gold, and silver. that dictates silver. Sorry, gold something else. Oh, the man with the golden horse. Totally different book. Sorry about that. <laughs> anyway, so silver. So they have both their hands dipped in silver. And I don't know. It just means they're balanced between physical combat and magical combat, I feel, and some other they were just so interesting their names were aunt zoe and aunt helen and i'm like can i spend more time with you because 
I need to know more about you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And I mean, just in general, I love the descriptions, the world building. I liked all the mythos he tied into it. He tied in old stories with Susan's heritage. Stuff like that just makes me tickled, you know? Yeah. What about you, Abby? What did you like? Well, other than the grandmother meeting, I really just enjoyed any time a new bookseller was introduced. Like, the two different booksellers who usually drive the taxis, and the twins at the front door of the one shop, and Una and her squad of booksellers, and Aunt Helen and Aunt Zoe. And just like, you got to meet all these cool people in passing. And I kept going, wait a minute, come back. (laughs) I know, right? I'm like, can we please stay here and talk about these people? Because I feel, I felt like there was so, there was so, so much more to explore, you know? There was. On the way, they all had different accents. That threw me for a loop. Like there was one they met that had an American accent. And they're they're based in London, and I think only, like, one or two of them actually had British accents. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and that was cool, too, because they all look different as well, because they're all cousins, technically. And I don't know how in the world they were all related, like, if they even were related or just adopted or whatever crazy. You know, like, there was so much to explore. Susan was an okay main character. Her story was compelling. But I hope if there are more books, that we are going to see, I just want to see more of the booksellers themselves and the organization and all the twisties and turnies of it. Agreed. Well, let's move on to least favorite scenes. So I kind of didn't like the prologue. The prologue was weird. Like it didn't really set the tone for me. And like once I got to the end of the book, it all made sense because it wrapped up together. But it was, when I read a prologue, the prologue, you know, like when you read well, I didn't like the prologue for The Rage of Dragons either, so that happens sometimes. I, I like a really good, compelling prologue. Yeah, the beginning just felt so incredibly disjointed to me. And if I'd been reading this on my own, I probably would have set it aside and forgotten to pick it up again because of that. But luckily, there was me, and I told you, it, it did get better. Right, and like, like you said, I understand now how it ties in now that I've read the book, but mm-hmm. I just don't think it was a great start for this book in general. No, it was, just, it was just weird. It just wasn't... There was no context. There was no flow. It was just... Yeah. Yep. All right, what else didn't you like? I didn't like that we... I felt like the first battle was the climax. Yay! We freed her dad, and they're slightly father-daughter sort of, and she came into her power, and woo! And then it got boring. Like, we had this weird dip. I wish I remember, like, what the plot type was called. And I was like, okay. And then we had another battle, which wasn't as good. And then we had the conclusion. The conclusion was kind of weird. And I was like, well, it was alright. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Well, it's like I said to you after I finished the book. It felt like after that first big battle, they should have had a faster wrap-up than they did. Like, all the stuff that they went through should have been handled by the other booksellers, and, like, Una should have been giving them a rundown or something like that. Right. So that you, you as the reader, could have gotten through it faster, because it was very 
descending action or something. Yeah, that sounds right. And it was just yeah, it wasn't it wasn't great descending action. I, I think maybe the point, or maybe it was like it had like a midpoint and then it came down, or and I, I just, it just so weird. I just could not get into it. Yeah, because once you had the big bad on the reader father and all that, it was like okay, and we're done because her right? life is over, right? That was the whole point. Yeah, so I definitely agree with that. Um, maybe this was like a voyage and return plot point. Maybe that's what it is, you know? Like, we finished the quest, now we gotta return back to the island, but then suddenly there was more crap we had to do. Yeah, I guess so. That was weird. Anyway, sorry. And then the other scene that I really didn't like was when Mrs. London dies, and Merlin doesn't stay with her while she passes. And that genuinely pissed me off. And it tipped me from apathy about Merlin to actively disliking him. And it just... Because, like, he noted that she was about to die, that she was definitely, like, fading, and that she didn't have long. And so instead of staying with her for two minutes, he goes and collects the head of the cauldron-born. And I'm like, dude, it wouldn't have gotten that far. It's a head. Mm-hmm. There, there was no urgency to go get that. You could have stayed for two minutes and not been the callous you are. That made me so mad. I I could not believe that Nyx had his character do that. You know? Yeah, I just did not. I don't know. I did not enjoy that either. Well, I think this is a perfect segue to move on to least favorite characters. Hmm. Because... Really, Abby? Would you like to tell me who your least favorite character is? Because I just had no idea. Oh my god, I hated Merlin. You so did, huh? Like half the book, I was very apathetic toward Merlin. He's very flamboyant and flashy and like, fine, whatever. I don't really care about you, but you're whatever. But the longer I had to follow along with him and Susan, the more self-centered and shallow and careless he came across as and when he didn't have any have enough empathy to just stay with Mrs. London while she died that just that made me so mad and it I just actively hated him after that like I don't care about you you're not an interesting character I realized that he, the author was trying to make you an interesting character but really you're just pissing me off mm-hmm. and I hated it I hated him so much I hated how callous and careless and just sweep it away with the wave of your hand kind of person he was. He was very, I mean, he's very frivolous. Like, I just had, he's not someone I would enjoy being around. No. And I'm like, mm, Mo doesn't like you. Well, it's just, obviously the characters you're following along with you want to like. So he had that advantage right from the get-go and I still didn't like him at all. And so, obviously, I did not see any sort of appeal that Susan might have for him. And I was just like, really? Really? You're going to mush their faces together at the end? Like, this character and this character? Kiss! You know? I do. It felt like a little kid just taking two Barbie dolls and mushing their faces together to make them kiss at the end. I'm sorry. I'm just imagining, <laughs> except I just, 
I'm like see little Abby, but I don't think little Abby would be very gentle. <laughs> and I was like, okay. That's that's very much how I felt about the Merlin and Susan romance at the end. Though. I was just like, nope, nope, nope. There's nothing about this I like. I hate Merlin, so I don't want him with anybody. I kind of want him to just go away. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It it really sucks when you dislike the main male character. Pretty so. much. Okay. Who did you not like? Well, Merlin. <laughs> <laughs> I just couldn't get into him. I tried really hard to enjoy him because he was different. And I love different. But he was just, like you said, shallow and, and callous and self-centered and eh. And then Susan was kind of, I I didn't love nor hate her. She was just kind of blah. Like, I wish she wasn't the main character. I wanted the main character to be a bookseller, not someone from the outside looking in. Yeah, I feel like we would have gotten a better look at the booksellers themselves if that had been the case, which I would have liked. But then also, I feel like the de-escalating action wouldn't have landed so badly because instead of you being on a quest to find Susan's father, you'd be on the bookseller's path who in the end are trying to banish that spirit that was holding Susan's father down, Mm -hmm. which would have made for the big battle closer to the end with less decelerating action. You know? I like your thoughts. Yep. I'm, I was thinking through it. I'm like, mm, yep, nope. Abby makes much sense when she says this. Yeah, I just, I feel like he followed the wrong character when he wrote this. Not that Susan was a terrible character. She just was not enough of a main character. I liked her, but she just wasn't like, she was a good, she would have been a really great side character. Agreed. But she just, there were so many other characters in this book that I was far more interested in. I just, yep. I had zero interest in Susan. So let's talk about the characters that we actually liked. I like that game because that brings everything back up again. I am going to start, and I, like I said, I really like Vivian. She was the more likable of the twins. She had a good head on her shoulders. She was very smart in the things she did. And I would love to have from her point of view and, like, how her magic works. And, like, know about her childhood because, like, we got to visit, like, this in-between kind of place that the booksellers could go to where they brought Susan. And it was a very interesting place. And I was like, I could, I could, like, like to know more. And just, I don't know, she would have been, I would have liked her for my main character. The grandmother, of course. I love, I mean, like you said, they're not, sometimes they're not very nice, but more or less they, you know, guide the younger booksellers and they'll have their own spirit dogs. I thought that was precious. And I really love Aunt Zoe and Aunt Helen. Really, this section should be called the character I wish that was the main character. And can I have more of these characters? You know, (laughs) I love the booksellers. I love their whole organization and I just need to know more about them. Agreed. Okay. What about you? So, for me, I felt like Una would have actually been a better main character. Ooh. Because you have this bad biker chip. She's so cool. She's got a head on her shoulders. She knows what's up. She's got experience in life. And she was just so cool. And I loved that she ended up taking over 
for Marihue being the head of the left-handed booksellers mm-hmm. at the end. That was awesome. I was super happy about that. But I feel like she would have had so much more main characterness because she more fits that mold of the fierce, strong woman main character, you know? Yes. Our favorite kind of character. Exactly. So I just, I really liked her character. I thought she needed more focus than she got, but it is what it is. I also really loved the grandmother. That was such a cool concept that when the female heads of the family pass away, they become one of the grandmother's faces, and their dog also gets to be one of the grandmother's dogs. So like when Mary Hugh died, the grandmothers came to her and went, yeah, you're not going to be joining us because we're basically blacklisting you. Goodbye. <laughs> and Mary Hugh was like, well, what about my dog? And they're like, your dog didn't do anything wrong. When she passes away, she will join us. I was <laughs> like, that is a cool concept. So good. Yes. And I also really liked Aunt Zoe and Aunt Helen. I loved that they were even-handed, which means they can do all the research and kick butt. <laughs> which we highly enjoy. Exactly. And I just, I really enjoyed the little time we had with them, and I wanted more of that. And then, this is going to sound kind of weird, but the other characters that I really liked were the Cauldron Born and other monsters that they came up against. And I think this has a lot to do with the world building itself. Because most of the monsters that they came in contact with, I had not heard of. Hmm. Which, like, cauldronborn are basically zombies, but they're a different version of zombies that I haven't seen before. Which is always interesting. I love new takes on monsters and the usual fantasy creatures that you see a lot. But then there are a lot of monsters that just, like, there was some sort of cat-like monster that broke the wards at Mrs. Lincoln's oh, house at one yeah. point. And just, like, creatures like that that I went, wow, I want to see more of that. You know? And yeah. just, it really gave more depth to the actual world and made me go, holy cow, how many kinds of monsters are there? Because if you'd stuck with just the basic, like, fairies and orcs and that kind of thing, I would have been like, ah, oh, well... I know what all kind of monsters we're going to be running into. This one, I'm like, I don't know what we're running into next. Like, I genuinely have no clue. And it's awesome. (laughs) Mm, Love it. Yeah, so I really liked all the monsters because so many of them were different. See? His world building. Ugh. His world building is on point, man. Yes, it is. And you know we love world building. We love the world building so much. (laughs) All right. Well, I think we covered all of our main points we talk about. I'm curious, as we wrap this up, what are your final thoughts? So, I gave this book four stars. It's well written. The world is fascinating. It's a cool magic system. I just, I couldn't have cared less about Merlin and Susan's relationship, romance, whatever it was. Like, I didn't care that they got together at the end. I was actually a little sickened and disappointed that they got together at the end because I hated Merlin so much by then. Also, when Merlin got both his legs broken, I was like, good, go away. 
Like, your legs are broken, so you're out of action, right? I don't have to see you for a while. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of of rough, girl. That was not the case at all. I was rather disappointed. But, yeah. So, overall, good book. Just, (sighs) that relationship felt so forced, and I hated Merlin, so none of it worked. Yeah, I was like, I don't feel into this relationship. Like, just don't, okay? Yeah, exactly. And the other thing for me is, it's probably because I have zero nostalgia for the 80s because I was a 90s kid. I was, I was born in freaking 89, guys, okay? I don't know the 80s. Huh? I know I know nothing about them. I don't know the references. And so basically every reference to anything in the 80s that was made just went completely over my head. And it kind of took me out of the book, honestly, every time it happened. Because if it was trying to describe something, I didn't know what the thing looked like. And so I was just sitting there like, I don't know what this is, but I don't actually care enough to look it up and find out. So I was just left with these like random holes in my mind movie for it. And that's not a great way to immerse yourself. I agree with that. So I had trouble with all the 80s references. Somebody who's a little bit older than me would probably enjoy it a whole lot more. So, like, if one of your older sisters read it? Right, because they are more than ten years older than me, they would probably enjoy that. But me, it's just, nope, nothing. Just wasn't quite for you, huh? Yeah, it just missed the mark a bit for me. Which is no fault of Garth Nix's. I'm just a little too young to have gotten those references, so it's like, eh, you know. So what about you? Well, I gave it four stars as well. Like I said, Garth Nix is just a master world builder. I love that I was set in retro 80s London. I was born in 88, but I have a fine appreciation for the 80s because I liked watching movies from the 80s a lot. So I kind of got some of the pop references that was in it. I liked the magic system. And I liked how you had an option that you could switch between left and right hand, depending, you know, because Vivian had recently switched to right handed. And I'm like, well. That's kind of cool. You don't have, you're not stuck in one thing. Mm-hmm. I think what brought it down for me, like I said, was I didn't care for Merlin and Susan. I didn't care for what felt like the end of the book. And then it kind of slogged until we got to the actual end of the book. For me, coming as a previous reader of his book, Susan was a weak main female character compared to Sabriel. So I struggled not to compare them. But I think partially because I did, I I just set myself up for disappointment. Yeah. But, I mean, overall, like, I highly enjoyed it. It was different and weird, and I like that kind of stuff. And I would read it again someday. Yeah. I do appreciate that he tried to follow a girl who wasn't the uh, classic fantasy heroine. Yes. You know? But I just... I appreciate what he was trying to do. I appreciate that he tried to take a different route. I just don't think that it really panned out. I kind of feel like Una was the Sabriel of this book, and he was just trying to follow somebody else. That's okay. I I appreciate what he was trying to do. I just, yeah. I know. I'm with you. I would like, I hope another one comes out, and I hope we get to follow a bookseller. And they follow Susan and Merlin. I don't know if I can follow them into a series. I would love it if he wrote another one that followed a bookseller. 
If he writes another one that follows Susan and Merlin, I won't be reading it. Yeah. Not our cup of tea. Nope. Well, everyone, I believe that is the wrap-up of our review of the Left-Handed Booksellers of London by Garth Nix. We hope you enjoyed this episode. You probably have not read it. You probably aren't listening to this section, because I'm sure not many people have. But we really hope you pick it up and give judgment for yourself and let us know what you think. All right, guys, we will talk to you next week. If you liked what you heard today and want to help us spread the book love, drop us a rating on the app you use or share the episode post on your preferred social media. Everything helps! For a list of the books we talked about today, visit our community page on Facebook at The Book Life Podcast and search under Files. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter under the same name. If you'd like to contact us directly, you can email us at thebooklifepodcast at gmail.com. The song is Theme for an Unmade Anime by Katie Benoit from her album Dominique. You can find Katie on Instagram at K, the number 8, T, B E N O I T, and on Spotify under her name, Katie Benoit. Thanks for listening. Till next time.